Pitch recruiting's off to a hot start, and I have some spring updates that I want to share with all of you. It's coming up today on this episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on everybody welcome back to the locked on pit podcast your daily podcast covering the pittsburgh panthers as always i'm your host nick fairball and there's plenty to talk about today pitt is on a recruiting blitz he's seemingly on the football trail we'll talk about that and some of the specific recruits and positions they're focusing on some of the trends i'm very interested in but i first want to talk about pit spring football because i've been down at practice multiple times to see some of the guys I've heard some things out of the program about what is going on and, and kind of good updates and, and also things that I want to touch on. So let's do this. Uh, let's talk about the spring football report, if you will. I, I'm going to try and do this as much as I can, just from what I hear, what I see, too. I, I really put a lot of value, even though you know we only have a short windows to view. I do put in a lot of value into what I see, um, and I've seen a lot, first of all. My first takeaway that I just think is going to be very big for Pitt this year, the secondary. I think the secondary is going to be really good. And it's going to cause a lot of turnovers, I think. I think Pitt's going to have a very, very good secondary in the back half of their defense that's going to allow them to create a lot of havoc for quarterbacks. It's going to force them to worry. They got playmakers back there, man. You know MJ Devonshire and Marquez Williams are, are playmakers, right? Devonshire can do. Um, this is a guy that has multiple pick sixes, multiple forced fumbles, all of that stuff he has. And he had three last year. He had two of them for touchdowns. He had eight pass deflections. You know the ball skills are there with MJ. And then, you know, with Marquez Williams, the same way. Um, in a lot of ways to me, you know, they have a good two right there. Marquez Williams with five career picks is, is no slouch, of course. Both of those were uh, pick sixes last year, of course. Um, so it, they got playmakers there. But it's the other guys, the newer guys that are making plays. I'm talking about Javon McIntyre. Now, he had two picks last year in his two games. Expect that to continue, man. This is a dude that is going to create havoc and create turnovers. I am very, very high on Javon McIntyre. Uh, just coming right out of the gate, this is a guy that is much more is more mature for his age, if you will, than you would think. He's ready to go like that. He's a football dude, and I love that about him. You know, I was talking with uh, with Johnny Patrician specifically. Um, he, he replied to a tweet of mine a little bit ago on Twitter, and just to talk talk about you know Javon McIntyre I said I was pretty impressed by him just on his tape and and you know the behind the scenes is the guy loves contact the guy looks for hits the guy loves the game of football he's a high IQ football player he's athletic he's a playmaker and he's a good tackler this is a guy that does a lot of different things and he's going to give you a lot of trouble if you're a quarterback I also think the other safety spot is the question I think that's where you have to be worried about I'll talk about the corner room. I think the corner room is really good. I think there are other guys that are stepping up in that room to be really excited about. But the safety, the second safety spot is interesting. First of all, 
when I walked into the first day of practice and I saw number three in white, I was like, who is that? Well, it's Donovan McMillan. The guy's absolutely just massive. I mean, he is chiseled. When you look at a prototypical box safety, that is him. He is huge, and he's fluid, man. I mean, he can really flip his hips for how big he is, but he looks like he's got a linebacker frame on him. But this is a guy that is 6'2", 220, a real throwback type of frame, a guy that can play in the box and give you a lot of different kind of looks. And, and I like that. He's going to play, man. You know, Donovan Millen is ready from a physical standpoint. I think it's going to be about the mental and kind of the play he puts on the field. But from what I've heard, it's been solid so far, and McMillan is all there physically. Absolutely chiseled to every centimeter of his body. I mean, his arms are just massive. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, P.J. O'Brien, I think that's he's the big question of the group. It's going to be, can they get some, some consistency out of P.J.? I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the safety group. But I want to talk about the corner group. When you look at the corner group, guys that I've heard have done really well, Noah Biglow. I keep hearing about Noah Biglow. Noah Biglow. Every time you ask anyone on defense who's sticking out, his name comes up. Narduzzi mentions him in his press conferences, and every single time I ask anybody inside the program, well, who had a big game? It was him. I hear he's making plays. I hear he's stepping up. I hear he's ready to play. Um, And it's going to be tough for him to crack the lineup because they have A.J. Woods, too. So it's a team that just has a lot of guys coming back. Man, he's a retro sophomore now, and I'm thinking he's going to be ready. I think he's going to be ready to play. And so if they want to go back to four corners, I think they have him right there. I think it's no big low. I think he is the, the sleeper. I think he's a guy that next year when Marquez Williams is gone and, and likely when MJ Devonshire is gone, you know who's going to step in and be one of your top corners? I think it's going to be that guy. I would look out for Noah Biglow. I keep hearing really good things about him and what he can bring to the table as a playmaker. A, a guy that's about 5'11", 180, probably needs to add a little bit more to his to his frame. But, man, what a fun player I, he is apparently turning out to be. The other big takeaway that I'm hearing um, is the quarterbacks. I, I, I've heard – that it's been a pretty fun competition to watch. Um, I've heard that Jerkovic has played pretty well, um, and they haven't really seen much to be concerned about with Phil. I think Phil's been Phil. Uh, and, you know, yes, he had that concerning season last year, but before that, there's a really a lot to be very enthusiastic about with Phil Jerkovic. And, and so I, I think they're seeing that Phil Jerkovic I think he's comfortable in Frank's in a system. I think he understands what he needs to do. And I think he just kind of knows this game at this point. He knows what to do. He knows the college game. So I think you're going to see Phil Jokovic play well, and I've heard really good things. The offense is looking pretty good with Phil Jokovic under center. I want to keep talking about that. First, folks, let me let you know about FanDuel, because FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On and one of the official sportsbooks of the N. BA. But folks, also, the tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, I'm telling you, right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line, the points press, to which team will be cutting down the net in Houston. 
Folks, it's all an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. All right, let's keep talking about this quarterback situation. You know, Djokovic is playing well. I think he's going to be the starter. Not that anyone was doubting that. I know, you know, we've heard about those rumors of, of a competition. Possible, but folks, I think it's filled your cult. I think it's going to be very similar to last year where, yeah, Nick Patty had a chance, but it's probably going to be. And you, you kind of knew who was going to be, right? So I think that's what it is. I think it is what it is. And now you look to me at a guy like Christian there. It's it's an interesting topic with Vayer because he is a guy that comes from Penn State as a redshirt sophomore with three years of eligibility. So he's young enough and he gives you an option other than just Nate Yarnell and Ty Diffenbach. And what you've heard from about Vayer is guy can spin it really well and his mobility and his ability to throw off platform are impressive. That's the one thing I keep hearing about Christian Bayeris. Every time he gets out of structure, he makes some real nutty throws off balance. And that doesn't mean he's going to be super consistent. I don't think we're going to truly know just how consistent he is from a mental processing standpoint, all that, until we see him on the football field. The spring game will give us a little bit of a view, but maybe not until he actually plays a football football game. You know, we might not know that. But I have been hearing all about that ability to roll out and make plays off-platform. And it's really, really exciting because that's not something that everyone kind of has. It's it's not easy to have that. Um, now, now, truly, there is some things that Djokovic does and can do that too. He's got different type of mobility, though than Veyer. So I think it's very interesting. I've heard Ty Diffenbach, some of his flashes have been wow flashes. Um, I, I, He was a true lottery ticket. Um, we we talked about this when he committed, how he was a lottery ticket. He's got great size, good mobility, can run, strong arm, but very inconsistent with his accuracy and, and all that. He's just a guy that isn't very experienced at the position either. Um, so there's a lot of raw potential, and the ceiling isn't there. And I think everyone's seeing that raw talent poke out every now and then, and he certainly has his ups and downs and, and his issues. But he's a true freshman, and he's a guy – that I don't think anyone is expecting right now to be anywhere near ready, but they love the tools. And so I really like hearing that Yarnell is doing what he does. He's being steady as well. Um, in terms of other things that I took away from what I've heard, I've heard Derek Davis is having a really nice spring. Um, a lot of people seem to be really high on Derek Davis. I don't know if that necessarily means we'll see Derek Davis play this year. I think Sebo Flemister and Rodney Hammond are obviously one, two in that backfield, but it's always possible. We see a third added in there. You know, that was the case last year um, at times. Derek Davis is a different type of running back than they have on the roster. He's a, he's a height, weight, speed guy. He's a guy that can run and he's a guy that's high cut. Um, it, it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways, but he runs very hard from all the things I've heard. Um, he's willing to put his shoulder down. He's six foot one, about two twenty. Um, he he's a guy that 
has legitimately timed four sub four or five speed. He's got good long speed and he's got a lot of different moves. I think one thing that everyone is kind of just caught on with about Derek Davis is, you know, yes, he, he could have potentially stuck at DB or, or linebacker or wherever at whatever school, but he just has running back come naturally to him. He's got kind of a feel for the line of scrimmage, how to press the line, how to read a defense, um, when to kind of smoke out a, a, a stiff arm here or there, all of that stuff. And it's just kind of instinctual. It's natural. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of jumps out about Derek Davis is he's just natural at running back. And I think that's where he's going to stick. And I think Pitt's going to give him a good opportunity. And I've heard some good things about him. I'm not sure if that means he plays this year, but certainly I think next year he's in line to get some significant run here at Pitt. Um, I have heard really good things about his spring. Um, So that's just my first report for spring. We'll talk about it more throughout the week um, and kind of what I've heard. But I've heard Phil Jerkovich having a pretty solid spring. I've heard Derek Davis showing out. And I've heard some pretty good things about the defensive backs thus far. But I want to talk about this recruiting class because this is a marvel right now. I mean, what is going on down on the south side? Pitt has 10 commits, and we aren't out of March yet. It's March 28th as I'm recording this. And Pitt has 10 commits. That is unheard of. I can't remember a class where Pitt loaded up on this many guys this early on. And it's a real good thing that they're loading up this early on to me. Uh, I I just think that they needed to have a change in strategy last year. They did a really nice job to recollect themselves and reconvene last year when they had a lot of decommitments near the end of the cycle. But it wasn't enough to truly give them Multiple options. Now, though, they're doing this early. I think it's a change in strategy, and I think they're looking to potentially land guys early so they can pivot if they have decommitments at times. And that, that can be for all positions. Um, you know, look at the position distribute distribution thus far, and they've kind of hit all over the map. Now, it's heavily trench-focused. They have 4D linemen and 2O linemen out of those 10. Um, which is good. I like that. And they're going to need that. Um, they, they have a lot of young guys on the D line, but that O line, even though they're getting a new set of guys in there, it's still a young, it's, it's a relatively old O line still. You know, Zubovic is older. Gonzalez is older. Um, all of those guys are older. And so they're going to naturally need to kind of switch that up. Um, and they're going to need to get young guys. And so they're they're reinforcing that line, um, and they have two defensive tackles. That's an old group, too, with Danielson, Bentley, and Green. Um, the defensive ends um, are young, but they can always add talent there, and they did with Cru- uh, Zachary Crothers, but they also have one run receiver, one running back, one tight end, one defensive back. Um, and, and so it's a lot of guys coming in with high pedigrees, they're getting in on guys before they're going to blow up. You look at, at some of the profiles that they have on tape and some of their measurables, and they're very athletic. It, it fits the mold of a Pat Narduzzi 
recruiting class. And they they know what they like and they stick with it, right? They have a, a style that they like to recruit, and it works for them. Um, Pitt has proven this time and time again when they produce quality football players. Um, so that's that's always been something that sticks out about Pat Narduzzi, and it's true. He converts at a very high rate relative to star ratio. Stars matter, but for Pat Narduzzi, he's got such great developmental skills. He's got such a great and rich staff that helps him maintain that, that it's okay when Pitt falls a little bit behind the eight ball because you don't always need those four stars to really commit to playing at a high level. And so that is really, to me, what sticks out about this team in many ways. Um, But when you also look at this recruiting class, I just think it's a changing of the guard. It's a changing of the strategy. I I think that they are pushing for more early commitments to give them flexibility. I think they have to. Um, At some point, I feel like they looked at where they were and said, man, we cannot be just going crazy and straddling the line and trying to rush the last second to get everything together. It just wasn't working. I think it's the right decision um, on their part. And there's a lot of reasons why it's easy for me to embrace that idea because of how they got burned last year at quarterback. And yes, they got Ty Diffenbach and Christian Vare and Durkovich, but everything's not going to line up that perfectly. Um, they did a great job recovering from that. They did a great job recovering from a lot of those decommitments, but they never replaced some of those decommitments either. And maybe they will through the portal in the spring, but it's going to be a big class, 25. I think Narduzzi said at least 25. There's going to be some decommitments. You know, probably all seven of the guys that are committed right now are not going to stay committed. Um, it's just kind of the what happens right now, and you've got to expect fluid movement on your board. And I think Pat Narduzzi and his staff are starting to realize the changing of the guard, and they're pushing for commitments early. And so March is the new June. It doesn't mean June isn't going to be June still. It will be. They'll get commits in June, but when you bring in guys for spring practices, for for the spring game, and for all of this, it's a little different now. It's a little bit of a different vibe. It matters a little bit more to land that commitment. You might not land the commitment – from, say, a four or five star, and I know everybody loves those stars and those flashy ratings. You might not land a Quentin Martin right out of the gate. Those are still going to be prolonged processes. But you will land solid players. You know, you look at Zachary Crothers. Look at this guy's tape. You look at Jules Goff, for example, landing him. Look at his tape. Um, you, you look at all these guys that they have landed, Javante uh, Cooley for example. Um, their, their offer sheets aren't always flashy, right? Um, but what they are is they have athletic traits to where it's very clear that, you know, once camp season starts, because camp season hasn't even hit the full stride yet, you know, if these guys have gone camping, they, they would have gotten significant tread, and they probably still will. Um, you know, that is going to be the fight now. Um, you would rather have that commitment than not, and Pitt's getting in early on these guys to try and hold their commitment. Because a lot of these guys are very talented. This is always something that Pitt does very well is they identify talent very early and they get commitments very early. But can you hold on to all of them, right? You know, can you hold on to a Bryce Pollock? Like they didn't hold on to Bryce Pollock last year, but they held on to Shadarian Harrison. That was a great, a great find for them with Shadarian Harrison when Oregon and Florida State and Miami tried to creep in late. Um, can you hold on 
to these very talented football players. It's better to get the commitment and get it in early and try to really smoke in that kind of relationship already in an era where relationships matter a little less. You know, you have NIL, you have the portal, you have all these different things. You have all these different uh, variables to worry about. So getting in early, I think, is more important than ever to try and build that relationship, discuss things like NIL, and kind of build a base of where you're going already. But you have that commitment, and that's, I think, really important. I think that's what Pat Narduzzi and his staff are doing here by running up the count this early on. All right, folks, we'll be back talking to John Garcia Jr. about Pitt's hot start and some of the favorite prospects he has thus far in their 2024 class. As always, thank you for listening, folks, and as we end it here, as always, hail to Pitt.